Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. It's a Hawkman Hump Day. On Hump Days, I play some Hawkman and Crowder segments. Well, one segment. I want to do that last. So, on the way, we're going to get to Joe Rose's interview with Coach Manny Diaz. Dan Lebitard, he's hating on Michigan State. And yes, Hawkman and Crowder talk to Dolphin great Kim Bowcamper. But before we do all that, I'm Dan Day. Let me introduce myself. Give me a follow at Dan Day Radio. Give us a follow on Twitter at 560WQAM. Let's do some headlines. Hurricane Dorian is not expected to affect the Canes game this Saturday at North Carolina. Kickoff is scheduled for 8 p.m. An undisclosed injury will keep Dolphins linebacker Quentin Poling out of Sunday's game against the Ravens. The two teams begin battle 1 p.m. at Hard Rock Stadium. The Cowboys and running back Ezekiel Elliott have agreed to a six-year, $90 million deal. $50 million is guaranteed, making it the largest guarantee ever for a running back. The Marlins ended a 15-game road losing streak last night, defeating Pittsburgh 5-4 in extra innings. The two play again tonight at 7.05. The Heat have invited former Canes guard Davin Reed to training camp. Last season, Reed played for the Pacers G League team, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Miami tips off their season October 23rd versus Memphis. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> the Ozaki Christian School in Wisconsin is ready to open. The location? A building which used to house the Spearmint Rhino Gentlemen's Club. Hopefully the hard-working girls at Spearmint Rhino get the memo that the club is closed. A Canadian man, after being sentenced to a year of no driving by a judge, gets in his car, drives off from the courthouse. Moments later, he was pulled over by an officer who recognized him. The man is now in prison, obviously not driving. Recently, at a British airport, authorities stopped a traveler whose suitcase was loaded with bags of white powder. The suspect substance was tested and found to not be drugs, but vegan cake mix. Score! Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for isolated showers and temperatures in the mid-80s. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Joe Rose, back from the storm, quote-unquote, and doing his thing. Manny Diaz, hopefully they're going to storm up to Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina this weekend and get a big win against UNC. They talked with Manny Diaz. What the team would be looking and doing during this downtime, what to expect from UNC. The U's high standards, tackling, 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 plus Tate Martell, the wide receiver, and Mac Brown payback. If we bring on Manny Diaz today, Manny, good morning. UNC week is here. Uh, welcome to the show. 
Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Manny, we're doing uh, great. Outside of what's going on a little bit with the Dolphins, who are uh, going a little different route this year, as you've probably seen here over the last few days. But let's talk about your team for just a second. I'm, I'm curious. You had all that extra time. What did you focus on the most after beating up the Gator game and moving on and, and getting set? What did you guys work on the most? Well, you work on Miami, right? You know, you, you see the mistakes uh, that we made that gave us um, – that really gave us no chance to win that game uh, that we felt like were all correctable. So you, you go about you know, looking at those things and, and trying to get those things fixed. And at, at the same time, we were also able to get a to get a jump on, on North Carolina prep. Um, so last week we're, we were studying them, you know, predicated on where their staff had been in the past and, and what we expected to see. And then we were able to watch them play South Carolina, you know, and get some things confirmed and, and then see some other things. And, and so now we take advantage of, of, of having the extra time to get ready for those guys and, and have a good plan to go. Uh, to go get after him. Manny, is it a copycat league pretty much? You expect North Carolina to show you a lot of the same looks defensively that you got from the Gators because of the success they had? Well, in a, in one, in a one-week time, everybody has to do what they do. You know, it, it's hard to just it's hard to just recreate it. And, 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 and let's make no mistake in terms of looks, and let's say, you know, number 92 from Florida, no matter what look they were in, that guy was just a problem in, in any defense. <laughs> so the people have a lot to do with it as well. So that being said, there are some, there are some similarities uh, between the two defensive styles of play, uh, North Carolina runs a very active defense. They do a lot of uh, a lot of blitzing and, and a lot of movement up front. You know, so again, it'll it'll be a challenge to make sure that we get our you know get our, get on the right guy and, and get get, it, get the plays a chance to, to get executed. Coach, uh, something you don't see every day: uh, offensive coordinator kind of being publicly critical of the quarterback after the first game. Dan Enos was about Jaron uh, after that Gator game, just putting out all out there just all the the stuff he did wrong or he thought he did wrong in the game uh, after. After hearing those comments and after seeing all that, did Jer- did you have a talk with Jaron after that also? Because uh, you just don't see that a lot, but it was kind of refreshing to see the uh, Dan Enos come out and do that. Well, Dan also talked about all the things that Jaron did right. You know, I mean, look, we, we said this from day one. We're going to hold these guys to a very high standard. It's funny how, you know, after one game, then all of a sudden there, there's a mentality, well, should we not hold them to a high standard? And and part of also was the understanding that, as I've, we've mentioned before the game and then we mentioned after the game, is that protecting the quarterback is an 11-man job. And one thing that that, that Dan Ninos has been on point about since we first, you know, his very first practice in spring ball is, hey, quarterback, if you don't want to get sacked, that, that's going to be up to you in terms of the way that you move the pocket, in terms of the way that you go through your reads, and in terms of the way that you, that you get, get the, the ball out. So, you know, I think that's, you know, Dan understands the position. He's, he's, he's played the position, you know, you know, he gets, he gets the, you know, sort of the praise and the criticism that comes with, with being that guy. And, and, but look, like the, the, the standard around here is, is not going to change. And we're going to hold our guys to, to that way. And, and, and you know what? They like it because they like the consistency of it. Coach, um, I know we talked a lot about Nelson and Campbell, redshirt freshman, true freshman at tackles, and, and Jaron Williams. They were kind of the hot topic the, the, the week before. But a lot of this just gets back. Doesn't a lot of it help if you can just run the football consistently? Won't that help everything a little bit? So, right, let's, let's look at the whole deal, right? A lot of it has to do with game strategy, too. So, and again, I mentioned this, with the last seven minutes of the game, we're in a drop-back throw mode. That's going to be hard against any defense, okay, especially Florida's front. So let's, let's, flip, let's flip the scenario. Let's, let's take advantage of the opportunity that we have, and after the fake field goal, let's go up by 10 against Florida. And let's have Felipe Franks drop back and throw the football down by 10 against our front. Because let me tell you something, they couldn't put a hand on us up front. And now, what happens? Now, they're getting sacked. They punt the ball to us. What do we get to do? Now we get to run our four-minute offense. Who ends the game with more sacks? Miami does. What's the narrative on whose offensive line and whatever? It's in reverse. So part of it, it comes down to simple game strategy, which is 
you know, when all of a sudden you've got to come, you know, and that's why we don't, it, do, it doesn't matter in terms of the numbers. It matters in terms of the performance. And we know what parts of our performance were not good enough. We know what parts of our performance are, are correctable. And, and that's all we're concerned about. And, and let's, let's get better at that and let's move forward. Coach, I know right after the UF game, you talked about tackling and the poor tackling that your team had. I'm assuming the last couple of days of practice have been at nauseum, your, your defensive players working on tackling. Cause I know you talked about that the second after the game. Is that what kind of defensive practice looks like again we, we do what we do you know we've been a very good tackling team over the last three years and in fact other than the one catastrophic play our tackling actually you know th- that, that play just stands out so so badly because we just don't give up free touchdowns due to poor tackling based off the evidence of the last three years but but over the course of the rest of the game it was actually much better and, and we always make a point that the best tackling team wins and the Florida game was actually an anomaly because we were the, we were definitely the better tackling team between the two teams but that had to do more with their poor tackling than than us being great tacklers but but that look did you, I don't, you know, if you have a chance to sit back like we did and watch week one of college football, that's kind of how it works, man. You know, there, you, you see you see some missed tackling in game one. You see some special teams errors in game one because those are always going to be the hardest things to recreate in training camp. And uh, and that's why you want to get right back into game mode. Uh, that's why I wish we played this past weekend. But, you know, we just got to get right back in there. It's something that we expect to, to see improve as the year goes on. Coach, one group we didn't talk about a lot outside of Thomas, a wide receiver. How did those guys play overall, your wide receivers? I know they didn't, they didn't catch a lot of football. Balls, but how'd they play and grade out? I thought they played well. Um, you know, again, when you when you watch the film, you see the opportunities uh, that were there. You know, I think we had Jeff. I think in the first twelve plays of the game, I think Jeff was you know you know open on you know, with a chance to be explosive. Um, that you know we, for one reason or another we couldn't get the ball to him, and that's just all part of offensive football. So they see it. Our guys see that the 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 plays that are available, and and we get eleven guys kind of you know functioning together. That that those. There's a lot of big plays to be made in this offense. Real quickly, too, because we always talk, you know, if you lose, we talk about all the negative stuff while you lost. But who graded out well in that first game? Give me a couple of guys that graded out well that we're not talking about. Gosh, so long ago, we've almost, you know, but uh, I know you're you know, past I it. And I know you've moved on. I'm just curious. Some guys playing well, getting off to a good start. Well, certainly like a guy like like defensive, certainly a guy like John Ford inside did, did what we expected him to do. Ford, in essence, really almost conceded the inside run game, you know, just for various wow. reasons. But 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 John, John, I thought did a really nice job inside, which, you know, backed up that we felt like he had a really good spring and a really good training camp. So so, he, you know, he is certainly a guy that that we felt like, uh, you know, got off to a good start. Jonathan Garvin was was you know almost unblockable uh, by their front, you know, which what we would expect. But, I, you know, those guys up front played very well for us defensively. All right, a new guy to the wide receiver room, Tate Martell. We're going to see more of that wide receiver in these upcoming weeks. Yeah, Tate has a lot of versatility to our offense. And, you know, we had some things, you know, that, that we could do with him. There was, you know, some things that, you know, we can continue to build on that package, some things that we didn't even get a chance to, to get to that night. So, so yeah, I think I think a guy like that that has a, uh, a unique skill set. Let's just say uh, you can, you know, it, it's a it's a fun guy you can use in a, in a lot of different creative ways. All right, so I'm just curious since you didn't have to play, did you watch a lot of college football Saturday? Were you a junkie? Absolutely. Of course, that's you know, that's kind of it's kind of what we're all about. You know, started yeah, I was gonna say start right about ten o'clock. Got <laughs> got to warm up with a couple of game. Uh, just the uh, the pregame show was so right, good. Right. And then right in there, right into uh, games all day. My God, it just boils the hell out of you. So it was uh, it was fun to watch. Talk about North Carolina, South Carolina. I was a little surprised. I thought North Carolina uh, that surprised you at all. Those guys able to come back and win that game. I don't think so because I think we felt we probably felt that North Carolina and South Carolina were more similar than they were different. Just having watched South Carolina a year ago, you know, certainly I think the way that they the, the way the game went and the way that North Carolina was able to hang in there and and, and win it in the fourth quarter, I, 
you know, and, and have a freshman quarterback make some big throws there at the end. You know, they'll take a lot of confidence from that. But, you know, I think the one thing that stands out in college football is, you know, it's funny. We put, you know, we do these rankings and we have these polls and threads or whatever. And I, I think it's fairly obvious that there's a couple of teams uh, at the top. Their talent level, you know, really sets them maybe right now in a class apart. There's a bunch of other teams that you can just throw in a hat and you pick one out. And there's just not there's just not a lot of difference. And, and, and I think, you know, the idea that there is is sometimes a misnomer. Most teams are, are pretty similar. And, and, and you saw, I thought, North Carolina and South Carolina, two pretty similar teams on Saturday. You, you, you know what else is amazing is I, I think you might have been the first one to say it. Now I've been using it a lot. College football doesn't have preseason football. We bitch about four games for for uh, the NFL and everything much, else. Yeah. And then you see how sloppy different parts. I watched uh, three fumbles in a row in a football game, back and forth the next play. I haven't seen that forever. And a lot of that is this is like the first time out, man, after just practicing for whatever it is, three or four weeks. And jumping right into important games, is there something they can do? Or are you okay with the system the way it is? Well, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to change. Um, you know, it, it just. I think maybe sometimes I don't know. Is that pe- what people enjoy about college football? Is sort of the the, the fact that it, I hate to say not clean in terms of execution, but but there is a little bit of a wackiness to it certainly that you see when you've got teams and they're running you know new systems and new schemes and how fun would it be if a, if a spring game you get the, you got to play another opponent you know and, and and you see that what's weird is you actually see that in, in different sports around college athletics in the offseason but but who knows I, I i know it would be fun it, it might get a better product but i don't know if there'll ever be any appetite to change that you're right though man they go back and forth and and listen that ended up that that Miami Florida game ended up being a great game right great down the game. Yeah. I mean, we can complain about all the the stuff that that was sloppy or the turnover or whatever, but ends up being a great game. So, yeah. coach, I got to ask you this: I know in 2017 there was a couple teams on your kind of payback list: uh, Florida State, Virginia Tech, UNC, Notre Dame. You went four zero against those teams. Of course, a storyline that gets brought up on social media a lot: oh, you and Mac Brown, and Mac Brown let you go in Texas, and blah blah blah. This is this is no sort of payback game for you, is it? With with Mac Brown, like, what's the relationship like with you and Coach Brown? No, we have a fine relationship. Um, now we'll have our we'll have our hit list games, but 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 that's this, this won't be one of them. Now, it, but now what we have to understand is we're on their hit list. You know that's. That's all part sure. of it. That stuff usually works uh, both ways. But uh, because we actually we had obviously we had a great night against North Carolina a year ago. I think six turnovers or whatever it was. But uh, yes, you no, did. No, it, it, it's it's like last week. I mean, I don't. The players play the game, and you know they everybody's coming to watch the players play, and certainly not the coach's coach. Coach, don't sell yourself short. You had six turnovers and you had three defensive touchdowns in that game against UNC. Don't sell that defense short. They were pretty good last year. He's hoping to get another one of those. Yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> coach. Thank you so much for uh, for being with us. We really appreciate it. Good luck this week against North Carolina. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Manny. Can't get enough of that Tate Martell situation. I've been watching QB1 on Netflix, and yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Cannot wait for the game. This weekend, it is going to be Canes versus UNC. Kickoff is going to be at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Why not 8 p.m.? We're going to do 8 p.m. We got the pregame, the postgame, the whole game right here for you. Up next, we're going to double Dan it with some Dan Levitard here on the Best of the Joe Show. Back with the best of the Joe Show. We're playing back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. You can also follow us at 560WQAM. Dan Levitard, we're two very different people, but he's a cool guy, jumped on the radio today talking about Zeke getting paid, but why? And also, 
hating Michigan State. That coward Dominique Foxworth was picking the Packers to make the Super Bowl, but then Zeke signs, and that coward immediately flip-flops. What? That's right. We have overcovered the hell out of that holdout. It has been way too much. Jerry Jones got all of that publicity, and at the end, he caved. <laughs> at the end, even though you don't think his uh, reconstructed face can blink, he blinks. I think the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, really, they played this well. They won the offseason. They kept themselves in the news, head of the news cycle for basically the entire summer, and they got their guy, a guy they probably didn't want to play too much in the preseason anyway. Well, but what I find fascinating is a couple of different things here. First, they didn't have to give him anything. So Zeke wins. Like, they had him under contract for two more years. Right. Zeke wins by becoming the highest paid running back in the sport. You don't have him for the first game because if you think you can parachute out of Cabo and play an NFL game, a few days later. Um, oh, he, he's playing. Yeah, it, it, 30 it, carries. Dude. Okay. Yeah, he was training in yeah. Cabo. Did All you right. not read yeah. the report? Okay, it's a little bit different. Cabo's slightly different you than said that you could give. You said that you could run for 100 behind that offensive line. Come on now. Exactly. Yeah. Dad, Jerry Jones just gave Zeke Elliott $90 million. He is going to run him into the ground this Sunday. Don't you always work out on the beach? At Levitard Show, yes, Chris. And I couldn't play in an NFL game on Sunday. Uh, behind behind that offensive line, <laughs> I mean. At Levitard Show is where it is that you vote on the polls. And I want to ask you about this Zeke story because it, to God, I don't understand how this team gets that much coverage. Do you know how many playoff games the Dallas Cowboys have won in the last 22 years? America's team. Do you know how many games the Dallas Cowboys have won in the last 22 years, playoff games? And they won one last year, right? I'm going to say uh, like four. Three. Whoa. Oh. Wow. So close. All, uh, all so of close. them wild card victories. All of them, you know. Yeah, but does his drop. Come yeah, on. yeah. You understand what I'm saying. This team hasn't been relevant except for garbage like this. It's not that relevant a football team. It just happens to exist as our most famous one. Oh, and the NFL is so much better when they are good. It really is. When they came back, the NFL was eminently more watchable. This is this is great stuff for the league. I'm so happy Zeke is there. Although, I'm not really sure this is a public win for Ezekiel Elliott, but Will Brinson points out that the Dallas Cowboys have been super forthcoming with all the details on their extensions and deals that they've signed here recently. It's been a very busy offseason for Dallas in that respect. Not so much with this Ezekiel Elliott one. I'm curious to know what sort of protections Dallas has because Ezekiel Elliott has a ton of off-field concerns. Fair enough, but they didn't have to give him anything is what I'm saying. Zeke didn't have any actual power. He leveraged an owner who turns 77 next month and knows that uh, the NFL feels a little bit wide open. So he, like the Texans, plays for win now. And you're like, wait a minute. Are they that close? Are they actually that close? But Zeke knows that. His agent certainly knows that. Hey, we have a 77-year-old owner who loves you who and a team that's relying on the running game. And you're going to get your money. Just wait. You're going to get your Stugatz. money. And he got it. Stugatz. They didn't have to do anything. I guess I, what I would say is they had to do something in this respect. They just paid Ezekiel Elliott to make Dak Prescott a little better, to make Amari Cooper a little bit better. They weren't just paying Ezekiel Elliott. What they're doing is they're paying to make those two guys look better than they would look without him. But look at what is happening in San Diego. Just just look at Nothing. what it, 
nothing is happening. They you don't think have a football team. Philip, I'm sorry, Los Angeles with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I'm going to yeah. do that for the rest of my we life. We are, we all are. It's they right. should just move back because we're not changing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, put it on the poll no, at Levitard Show. Are you going to call them the San Diego Chargers for the rest of your life? But um, of of all the windows we're talking about here, Zeke Elliott, disposable running back, Jerry Jones, 77 years old <laughs> next month. Philip Rivers, you kind of got to put the things around Philip Rivers that he needs, and they're not doing it in San Diego because they don't have to. Yeah, but Melvin Gordon. I'm going to keep calling it San you're Diego. Allowed, you're allowed. In no fact, fun. you get don't money every time it. you do yeah, it because yeah. it's ridiculous. They're playing in a soccer stadium in Los Angeles. Just do it freely. No stress, uh, stress, man. You don't have to explain it after the fact. It's fine. We're all going to do it, and there's no fine. Uh, Melvin Gordon is not Zeke Elliott is where I was going. He's not. Zeke Elliott has led the league in rushing all three years, I believe. Two of the three years, they've won the division. Melvin Gordon I, is not that. I, I, um, I believe that Melvin Gordon would look a lot better than he presently looks if he played behind that offensive line as well. Yeah, it's not that. a good offensive line down in San Diego. Man, it feels so liberating. Philip Philip uh, Rivers, though, publicly, he's been a company man when it comes to this Melvin Gordon contract. He's spoken in ways about backing up his guys and not really backing up Melvin Gordon, who's not there at the moment, in ways that are sort of surprising. We've stumbled into something I wasn't expecting uh, when we left yesterday, Stugatz. I don't know if you've noticed this. We've stumbled into a feud with Michigan State football out of nowhere. It uh, it caught me a little bit off guard. We who? Uh, we we win as a team and we lose as a team, oh, Stugatz. Oh. And when I get ripped for all your nonsense, <laughs> you can get ripped for mine. Okay. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about Michigan State football for some reason. I'm not particularly sure why. I wish I had never discussed it because I've given Michigan State football precious little thought in my 50 <laughs> years of life. I mean, it showed. Um, that's not true. It didn't show. What did the poll results come back on our uh, at Levitard show on Twitter? What was the result to the question that we asked? I think of Michigan State in the same realm as I think of Wisconsin. They, If they're there at the end, you don't trust them to win anything giant. You just don't. So I got a lot of people in my mentions talking about about the 100th Rose Bowl, as if I care about that. Does Michigan State football exist to simply never win anything meaningful? A ton of votes. Like 20,000. Well, when we left here, though, yesterday, it was like 94% said yes, but then the Michigan State blogs got involved, and now where is it? 83% yes. All right, so 83% of our very scientific... Our army is bigger than your army. How about that, Sparty? (laughs) We've got more Spartans than you do. Well, the 17% has been very vocal and angry. They're furious. They're furious. So read some of the comments there that we have, Mike. Please read some of the comments. Uh, Sparty got up in our mentions and they are (laughs) agitated you're not going to win this one either by the way michigan state (laughs) i think they win this show showed a blind spot and by this show i mean just dan all right here the what is the blind spot i mean they've won the big 10 a couple of times take a guess how in the last half century how many times that michigan state has won 10 games in a season in the last half century take a guess i would say easily 30 you know this off the top of your head seven what Uh, whoa wow 
They sent you scurrying through Google, did they? Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> they, they've got more seasons of four wins or fewer than they do of ten wins. Wow, you were busy last in, night, in last, No, I just, did it. I just did it this morning. <laughs> but they did win the 100th Rose Bowl. I believe in the last three decades, they've finished the season ranked nine times. All right, so here are the replies. So a third of the time they finish the season, they're unranked. Now, I know they've been better later, okay. lately. Oh, yeah, yeah, they've been a tough out. At least Wisconsin gets there occasionally. They just ruined the college football playoff. Uh, Michigan State made it to a playoff. They did. So a little credit. Did you trust them? Because if they get, all right, put on the poll, Guillermo. Would you trust Michigan State if they make it to the playoffs this year? Of course, I trust Mark D'Antonio. I say that confidently. Here are the replies. Question mark in there. Well, because I always I say D'Antonio, and then it's like a D'Antonio. It's it's tough. There's tough. Yeah. So here was the poll, just so that you see what the comments are from an outraged Michigan State that we're suddenly beefing with. Again, at Levitard Show on Twitter, does Michigan State football exist to simply never win anything meaningful? 83% of the audience said yes. I will, I will just throw this out there before we, we read the replies. Michigan State, basketball school or football school? Gotta be basketball, basketball school. It's a basketball school. Because they've won something in basketball. Tom Izzo, Magic Johnson, I mean, come on. All right. Judd Heathcote, what? what? Whoa! All right, here we go. Here are the replies. You are a complete schmuck. Replace Michigan State with the Dan Levitard Show and win with broadcast <laughs> i regret driving to fort wayne now that one made me sad do you exist to simply win n- n- nothing meaningful like an emmy oh, no. i've never won an emmy right here is where i stopped listening to your show oh come on oh, horrible show only tolerable because of the two people next to you hey moron msu has won three big 10 championships in 10 years they've won the rose bowl and they have the second most wins over top 10 teams in college football that's because the other teams in that uh, conference are overrated. He I, he said that, not me. Yeah, yeah. I knew Lebetard was a moron, and now I have just more proof. Yes, <laughs> idiotic take I've ever heard. Glad I've never heard of your show. Pathetic, diehard Wolverine here, and I've got to say this is the dumbest poll I've ever seen. Oh, no. I mean, you can understand Michigan; they've been getting dragged. What a joke of a poll! Probably the second most decorated Big Ten program. He spelled Big Ten the way that they do it, like with the the capital B, the number oh, one. No. No, that wait, probably wait, the wait, most wait, second what? most decorated what a B1G program. What a tepid trash talk that is. Probably the second most decorated. And they're not. B1G program. I think your phone must have added state. Ah, yeah, that's actually funny. MSU has literally won the conference three times since 2010. They also finished top six in the country three straight years. Mm. Top six. What a random number. <laughs> Super weird and unnecessary shade. You were told to say this. <laughs> I, I was actually. Bob Iger yeah. called me and told me to say yeah, it. That's yeah. true. Top 20 program all time. But- Remember, you can catch Dan Lebetard on this radio station weekdays from 10 to 1. Following him is the Stephen A. Smith Show, but Stephen A. Smith was on vacation. Plus, it is a hump day, and we call it Hawkman Hump Day. We're going to check in with Hawkman and Crowder next on the Best of the Joe Show. Yes, indeed, this is the Best of the Joe Show. Nobody gets you over the hump better than Hawkman and Crowder. That's why we have Hawkman Hump Days. We play a segment from the Hawkman Show that you can hear from 3 to 6 right here at 560, the Joe WQAM. Earlier, they talked with Kim Bocamper, not just an actor, a great dolphin, and he had a low price, very low price on himself. Also, talked about the Dolphins' moves, the Dolphins with respect cuts, QB carousel, 
and what to watch this season. This man on the uh, the phone line here. Now, he played his entire NFL career with the Miami Dolphins, yep. as did you. Yep. He was a pro bowler for one season. You don't have that on your resume. You had to bring that up, huh? Although he played longer. And had you played longer. Now nah, you're being slick mouth, huh? He has remained with the Dolphins as a broadcaster and, uh, and a part of the organization for years, much like you. My role model. He, uh, he owns a number of restaurants in the area. Can never do it. Drink too much. And he also starred in the movie Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I think he got his butt popped by a towel. <laughs> I think so. In the in the shower, right? He's a renaissance man, much like you. He's yes, a renaissance yeah, man. Yeah. Kim Camper is with us here. Hello, Kim. I'm doing. How are you doing? Doing really well over here. You know, I'm, I'm much like I'm, like I'm much like chatting. You pay me, I'll do just about anything you want me to do. It's very simple. I learned I learned that from the Mad Dog when I got in that business. You know, if they're willing to pay you, tell them yes, I can do it, and then figure out how to do it later on. Did uh, Did you get paid for Ace Ventura? I got four hundred bucks. <laughs> oh, Kim, we got to negotiate they, they, better than that well, next you know, time, bro. No, no, no. They, they, you know, Danny called me up and said, "Hey, I'm doing this movie." You interested in being in it? And I said, well, tell me about it. And he says, well, it's about a pet detective that's f- trying to find a dolphin that uh, that got kidnapped, and they're looking for uh, a missing stone out of a Super Bowl ring. I said, no one's going to see that movie. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and then, and then, so then they came the choice. They said, look, you can either, we can either pay you 100 bucks and you'll get residuals, or we'll give you 400 bucks. Right? I said, give me the $400. I don't think anyone's going to go see this movie. So. That's excellent. Well, not every choice can be a great choice. <laughs> now we haven't uh, we haven't spoken to you in a while. Kim Camper is with us. Um, how do you digest? I'm going to give you some of the the moves the Dolphins have made over yeah. the last five days. We haven't talked in probably a month, but how do you digest some of these big moves that the Miami Dolphins have made the past few days? I'll start yeah. with Laramie Tunsil to the Texans. So they get yeah. two first-round draft picks. They get um, a first-round – yeah, two first-round draft picks first, in return, yeah. right? Yeah. And second-round draft picks as well. Yeah. So you you trade away really the only talent on your O-line, but you get a hefty haul in return. Yep. What's well, your, I, I think, what's your I think take on it. that move? Well, you, you know, I, when, when, it first, when I first heard it, I, I, was, I was a little shocked. Because I thought, you know, Laramie's a, you know, he's still a young guy. Uh, he's really coming into his own now. And, and you would think that from, from here going forward, you think Laramie for the next 10 years is either going to be on the cusp of a Pro Bowl guy or, or a Pro Bowler. And, and you've still got him for a little while under that, you know, under that rookie salary. So you feel pretty good about that. And then you, you hear him trade away. And like, wow, I don't, it, it, it was hard for me to. But, but then when you look at the, I would think when you look at the big picture, it, it's like buying a half-built house. You know, the foundation looks all right, but you don't like the way that they're putting up the, the you know, the two by fours and the, you know, the, where the rooms are made and everything. So you decide to, to change it. And in order to change it, you got to pull all that stuff down and, and start from scratch. And I think that's, I think that's where this team is. I, I think they felt like, you know, they've got a young nucleus of guys over the draft for a couple of years and just look how young this football team is. And, and so to be able to stockpile all those draft choices, Certainly makes it look that you're look like your future is going to be brighter. Now that being said, you know it, it certainly puts pressure on Chris Greer and the, the scouting staff because you can't miss on these picks over the next couple of years. I mean, you know, the, this move was made to to get this team on the right tracks. We've been in a in, and we've been you know treading you know treading water here in mediocrity for about the last decade and a half. Ended up with drafts that were you know, from 12 to 15 to 16 and not getting guys that really make a, a big impact on you. And, and so to make this move, it's a bold move, but 
uh, you know, you've got to complete it next year in the draft and make the right picks. You go out and pick, you know, you have two firsts, two seconds next year, I think two thirds. You don't hit on four guys. Uh, then you're like, well, well, why did we do this? So it's, um, you know, it's a little bit of a risk. But, but I think in order to get out of the, the quagmire they've been in for so long, I think something dra- dra- dramatic had to happen. And I think this was the uh, – can't get much more dramatic than that. Hey, Bo, with, um, with like Kiko and TJ McDonald, I understand mm-hmm. it. I got old, yeah. hi- highly paid old guys. Like that, yeah. the whole league's trying to move highly paid old guys. But with a Laramie, was camp an evaluation to see if he's worth the big contract? Because they did pay Xavier Howard, who they yeah. identified as a franchise uh, foundation, but then they chose to go a- away from Laramie. Was camp that evaluation to see if he is the guy that deserves that five-year, you know, close to $100 million deal? I, I don't think that. I, I think they probably felt he was worth it. Talks with the Texans earlier and, and chose not to not to, to pursue the deal. And, and then I, I think it was just a case that you know Houston uh, and look, they're, they're you know they're they're putting their all their eggs in one basket too. They you know they gave away a lot of draft. They gave away their future for for this year and in the next year coming forward. I, I just think they laid too much on the table for the Dolphins for them to say no. I, I really don't think that you know going into the last week. You know, there were certainly conversations about Laramie with other suitors and with the Houston Texans, but I don't think there was enough to sway him. And then all of a sudden, when you put that much on the table, I think it was too much for him to pass. And I, and I really think that's what made the decision. Had they not put that, had they not put that much out there, I, I think Tunsil would still be on this team right now because that has nothing to do with his quality of play, what he could be in the next ten years. It was just more about you know, you know, they 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 dropped enough. Dropped enough gold on the table. You say, well, I'm going to take the gold, and you can go ahead and take this guy. It was like you taking the uh, the $400 instead of the $100 with it. residuals. <laughs> you got to make no, a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I, I made a tough choice there. Kim every Bo time Camper. I on TV now, I get a little, I'm a little upset about it. That's a few pennies that you're missing out on. Yeah. Kim Bo Camper. At least a buck, least a buck twenty-five every time they show it. Is with us. Uh, Dolphins open the season Sunday against yep. the Baltimore Ravens. I just want to go through a couple other moves that the Dolphins have made. Mm-hmm. Get your, you know, your initial take on them. They released John Denny. What does that mean to you? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That 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 I, I scratched my head. I think John was probably making nine hundred thousand dollars. Rarely made a mistake. Always was kind of down the field helping on, on coverage. And, and and so making that move is one I, I just – I have no answer for you on that one. I really could, don't. Could, could that be a, a respect thing? Hey, we don't want you to have to go through what we know this season's going to be like. You've been too much to the organization. Well, let, let me put it this way. Were they to say to John Denny, hey, John, we're going to pay your $900,000, but we're going to make wholesale changes, and who knows? We may be a one-win team. We may be an eight-win team. We may be a nine-win team. But, you know, the the, the – the, most people are thinking the other way. You want your choice. You want to be here or not be here. And, and I, I'm sure John Denny would have said, "No, I'm fine. I'll be there." So I, I don't. I don't know that. Not, maybe it was, but I'd be shocked if that was part of the the conversation. I, I whatever you know. Maybe it's just clearing out their guys and bringing in all my guys. Maybe it's as maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah, that one is a confusing one, just based on yeah. on you don't you didn't ever have to think about the long snapper, which is what that, you want. That, That's what you want from your long snapper. You don't want to yeah. ever have to think about him. Well, I was just going to say that in the fact that this is the most we've talked about a long snapper since I'm doing the year show <laughs> ever. So, so which there, is a good thing. Go. Which is a good yeah. thing. Yeah. What about getting rid of Vincent Taylor? Well, I think you know, I think Vincent Taylor. I think that when you look at Kiko, and I think Raekwon is kind of in this little sling right here too, where they, they don't quite fit what this team wants to do. If, you, if you're watching during the preseason, you know, during the vast majority of the preseason, they're only playing two linebackers. They're playing Jerome Baker 
and they're playing Sam McGuavin. They're the only two guys, and every now and then, you know, they, they would, you know, throw someone else in there. But but most of the time they played two linebackers, and, and they're well-suited to cover, cover, cover running backs coming out of the backfield and, and cover uh, tight ends and, and, and get in the covered schemes where I don't think Kiko, you know, the coverage wasn't his strong suit. Raekwon, it's not his strong suit. And and I think with um, uh, I think with with Taylor, uh, I mean you look at you look at their their depth their depth chart came out as a three four, which I don't think they're going to play a ton of three four. But you know you've got uh, you know you got Christian Wilkins lined up as a defensive end. You got Gotchak in nose, and um, you got uh, who's on the other side? The kid Jonathan Ledbetter, the other defensive end, Charles Harris. They've got him lined up as a linebacker, which to me is more of a 4-3 than a 3-4 because Charles Harris is probably going to rush more, more times than, than not. But I just think that those guys didn't fit what they needed. From the inside, they need someone that can penetrate, maybe put a little pressure on the quarterback, or maybe be able to kick out and play that defensive end position in the 3-4. And, and I think that's where Vincent Taylor kind of got caught up in the uh, in the wash. Surprising again because very, you know, very effective player when he's played. Uh, still a young guy, still in a rookie contract, but so, so, so to me, I think it's maybe just a just a fit in, in what they're looking for. And Bo, how do they? How do we evaluate Rosen? How do we evaluate you know uh, Mark Walton or any of these young players? They're trying to evaluate yeah. with what they have around them. Like I don't know how to look at Rosen now, knowing that that offensive line in front of him is probably one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I mean, you know, obviously Fitzpatrick is going to get the the start, and I would think that the I, I would think that the plan is. Start him until the bye week. Let Rosen get a little more comfortable, and 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 you know because you know there's been time and time again where Coach Flores has said we're not going to put him out here uh, out there until we feel that he's every opportunity to be successful, which means he needs to ramp up a little bit and get more up to speed. So I think the idea is you know get you get get you know Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick back there with these guys. Let him dodge the bullets for the up until the bye week. And then coming with Rosen, where maybe your offensive line is a little more uh, cohesive at that point. I don't know if it's going to be cohesive at any point during the season, but you know a little bit more. They played together for a handful of games. Then you bring this young guy in to see if he can play, uh, and, and let Rosen kind of take the the brunt of it early on. At least that's kind of the way that I see it going uh, going forward. You know, I think it, Fitzpatrick is probably more able to to have some success with an offensive line that that's going to take time to. to to, to be somewhat decent uh, than, than Rosen is. And I, I think it's probably as easy as that. Is, is that the, uh, the flaw, though, in this plan is that you go out, you actually gave up something for Josh Rosen, albeit not a lot, yeah. but a second-round draft pick, and then you really don't have an offensive line. So how could you ever really get a fair um, approximation of what know, he could you're, be? You're, you're right, Hawk. I don't know during the season, even if you follow that scenario, or even if you go eight games with Fitzpatrick, and then you put Rosen in. You know, whoever's going to be back there quarterback throughout the duration of this season, because, you know, there's a good chance someone's going to get injured in that offensive line going down the road. And then you go back, not very much depth behind them, and stick somebody else in there. I think whoever's behind there, whether it's week one or week 16, um, you know, they're going to be moving around the pocket. They're going to be trying to buy time and, and they're going to be avoiding uh, probably some free rushers uh, on, on a fairly regular basis. So I don't think, I don't think at any point in the season, those, any of those, either one of those quarterbacks is going to be completely comfortable in the pocket. 
And, Bo, everybody, with, with what happens, it's understandable. Everybody's kind of negative or not yeah. expecting a lot of greatness. What are you excited for? Are you excited to see Kalen Balaj get carried? Preston Williams now can step up? Like, what, what – if you have to tell a Dolphin fan, watch this this year. This could excite you. Yeah, what would I, it be? I, I think watch the young guys. I think watch Christian Wilkins. How good can he be? Gotcha's played well for you. How good can he be? You know, Sam McGlovin's a, an interesting guy. You know, we, last time we had a guy from come down from Canada was Cam Wake. And look what, what happened with Cam Wake. Now, I'm not saying that Sam McGuire is going to be Cam Wake, but he certainly has played well, better than anyone expected when he came look for him. So I guess if, you, if you're following my, my pattern there, it's watch the young guys, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, uh, Mike Gusecki, is he going to get better? Is Devontae Parker going to be the Devontae Parker that we've been waiting for? Seems like forever. And you're right, Kenyon Drake, uh, Mark, Mark Walton. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Chandler Cox, how he fits in as a fullback when most teams don't have fullbacks and all those types of things. So, I think this is one of those those seasons where you look for guys to improve their stock, the young guys to improve their stock, so that they can give you a better base next year when you bring in what's supposed to be a haul of draft choices and free agents with the with the salary cap that they've got, the salary cap room that they've got, and make things happen. So I, I think that's that's it, you know. And, and look, I've always told people this, you know, that they go, hey, I'm, I'm going to come to the games, I'm going to watch them on TV. Why would I ever come down and go see a game live? And I've always told them, I say, what? For, there's one simple reason for me. You, you never know when you're going to be at a game where you're going to see something that you've never seen before. You know, I played in a number of games like that. I played in the San Diego Charger game, which was the longest game played, a double overtime game. I played in the Chicago Bears game. I was at the, at the game where – the Dolphins looked like they were going to be go un, you know un, weren't going to win a game all season and you know Greg Camarillo catches a touchdown pass and Wayne Heising is crying up in the booth you know you're going to see some things here that you probably don't expect to see and and you know all those things all those games I talked about the 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 the, the Bears game the Charger game I know I was there I know where there's about seventy thousand people in the in the stadium. <laughs> But I've since heard from about 250,000 people that said they were at those games, too. So sometimes it's just about going to the games and, and, you know, and, and waiting to see something. And you're going to go, wow, I'm glad I was there to see that happen. You know, so it, it's, it's going to be a crapshoot all season long. But, you know, I, I know this thing, that, you know, they're going to, as the season goes on, they're going to be a, a, a disciplined football team. Hopefully they cut down on, the, on their penalties. But, but I think this is a football team, whoever's in there, it's going to play hard because if you look, all you need to do is look at the last week or so and know that your job is, is a, everybody's job on this football team right now going forward. They're all skating on very thin ice. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah, I think they made that abundantly clear. Abundantly last clear, days. yes. Kim Camper, we're up against the break. So before we go here, Kim Camper, quickly, uh, Sunday, season opens. They play Baltimore. Yep. Baltimore, they've uh, they've had a propensity to outscore the Dolphins as of late. Is there a way the Dolphins can hang in this game Sunday? Yeah, they can hang in. Look, it's going to be hot. You know, they've been working out in the heat. You kind of hope for that a little bit. Um and, and Baltimore's been a complete mismatch for this team for, it seems like, for, I mean, since they got Holly Nada, maybe even before that. It's been a, just a total mismatch for the Dolphins. So maybe this diff, maybe you know, maybe this new new-look football team has some wrinkles that they can see. We're going to see some things offensively, obviously, we didn't see during the preseason. Um, but, look, it's not going to be easy, and it would be a big upset if they, if they did win. But, uh, but I think they've got a shot. I think they've, you know – uh, you know, all I can say is let's let's go see what this team's all about. Because I know I, I, I was down at camp today, talked to three or four guys, and and, uh, and and talking about about the feeling in the locker room. They all believe themselves. 
all believe in themselves, all believe in this team. And, uh, and like I said, I think you're going to see a, a, a football team that gives you maximum effort each and every down. Kimbo Camper, I, uh, I think I speak on behalf of all Dolphins fans. We appreciate your work in Ace Ventura. <laughs> it was a beautiful – you know, it's like I, people ask me, what was it like? I said it was like getting a tattoo. It took four hours, and I'll never get rid of it. <laughs> beautiful mustache, though, Bo. It was everything about it. The, the cinematography during your scene specifically, it was just – everything was fantastic. How, Thanks. How, many, how many people – how many other people – how many other guys can say they were – they, they were standing in the shower with barely any clothes on with Courtney Cox looking at you. That's true, man. That is true. Yeah. That's a nice calling card. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> see you, Bo. Um, see you guys later. That's going to about do it for this episode of The Best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio that you hear on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Checked in with Joe Rose. They talked with Manny Diaz. Dan Levitard, for some reason, hates Michigan State. And then Hawkman and Crowder getting you over the hump with Kim Bowcamper. You are officially over the hump now, even though it was kind of a short week with Labor Day and the storm. We enjoyed it, though. Every Weekday, night, around 6 o'clock, right here on this radio station, Best of the Joe Show, also on the podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free. Go to our website, wqam.com, radio.com app, all those great places. Just get some of the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.